living the word today. So, every time we open this book, it is a fresh opportunity for God to talk to us. Let's make sure, let's make very sure that we are listening to what he wants to say to us. Livingthewordtoday.com. Look, the message of the Bible does indeed prepare us for eternity, but it also prepares us for the day we are currently living. Welcome to Living the Word Today. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is not only to understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. He just kind of says, kind of basically 1920 and 21 is sort of a summary of the book to this point. All those great things about that, that we have. And notice he says we can come, we, we, we need to have this boldness to enter. That's what I want to share with you this morning, the boldness of belief. We believe in Jesus, or I trust you do. If not, we're going to certainly invite you to put your faith in Jesus. But uh, we, there's a certain amount of boldness there, a certain amount of freedom there. One of the things that detracts from our boldness is we take a look this way, do we not? And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't have any trouble coming up with a big list of mess-ups in my life. Years ago... Last few minutes, yesterday, this week, whatever. And sometimes they're, sometimes they're, they're mess-ups of, of obedience. I should have done this for the Lord. I missed an opportunity. We, we have that shame and guilt. I should have said something. I had the perfect opportunity, and I just let it slip by. Or sometimes it's something we did we shouldn't have done. Maybe I just, maybe just you know, sometimes we just shade the truth a little bit. Or sometimes we just say something unkind when we're frustrated. We feel all this shame, and we feel like, how can I come boldly before the Lord? And uh, we, we have these lies that whisper in our ears. Satan is good at it, and our own hearts sometimes condemn us. Because, we, you know, do we feel worthy to be able to be one of his children and to walk with him? Sometimes it's just a mess up because we are imperfect. Last Sunday, during the eleven fifteen service, it's getting close to 12. I'm preaching the word. And uh, suddenly to my left, an alarm goes off on a cell phone. And, I, and I'm not, if your alarm goes off or whatever, it just happens, okay? I'm not going to condemn you for that. But, but I, you kind of see some people looking around like, who didn't turn their phone off? And then I see my wife scrambling and realize that's my phone that's over there going off <laughs> in the front row. And it's just like, oh, did it again. Sometimes it's just it's stuff of life. Well, here's what God calls us to do. We have a boldness to enter his presence and to be what we need to be, not because of our perfection, there is none, not because of our performance, subpar, but because of what he, who, our relationship with him. Now, there's three commands tucked into these few verses, okay? We're just going to go through verse 25. There's three commands. Now, if I were teaching a room full of children, we just shoot all the children out of the room. If I were teaching children, I think I would do it this way. So kids, I want you to help me out here today, okay? We're all, we're all kids today. Because I, I, I want something to kind of, I, I want you to remember this. I want to remember this. I don't want to forget this. I want to just 
live this out this week and let my boldness be in display in these three commands that we obey. Now, you educators in the room know this, that, that we all have certain learning styles, particularly true of children. Some, some children just learn by what they hear. Some have to have a visual representation. Some have to, to touch and handle. It's kind of a, a, a touchy-feely kinesthetic, they call it, uh, learning style. And if they have something to touch or do something with their hands. So I want you to do something with your hands, all right? Everybody take, you got two of them? All right, let's just put them, put your hands up. Go ahead, I know you feel silly. All right, number one, here's the first command. When it comes to the matters of heart, we need to reach up. Reach up, okay? You feel that reach? Now, I just want to tell you before we get into the text, that direction that you're reaching is the only place you're going to find help to be able to go through this life, today or any day. You all are very obedient. Thank you for cooperating. Number one, reach up in matters of the heart. Matters of the heart. Now, I stopped reading in verse 21, but it's one long sentence. He says, having this high priest of the household of God, 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Reach up. Draw near. And what are we to have? A full, uh, he says, a full assurance. A heart, true heart in full assurance of faith. That's our belief. When it comes to issues of the heart, that's the issues of, 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 of what we think, of what we feel, of what's bouncing around in the internal of us and sometimes that's where our greatest struggles are sometimes our greatest struggles are not those people out there or what we what we think about in the future but what we struggle with in here we're scared we're afraid we're we're frustrated we're, we feel ashamed we feel downtrodden we feel discouraged we feel depressed whatever it is here's what he says to do i want you to do this now these people were beat up and the reason he has to write this sermon, this to them, that we have preserved for a scripture, because they were wanting just to say, Christianity, this is getting tough. Following Christ, this is getting tough. It might be easier to do something else. He says, no, I want to show you that Christ is better than anything else you can turn to, especially to the Hebrew believers of this era, to go back to their Jewish practices and just sort of leave Christ out of the equation. So he says to them, you're beat up, you're, you're, you're kind of struggling, I want to assure you there's something better, and I want you to reach up to he says draw near lean into come into his presence with a heart of full assurance having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water now he's already packed into around that command he's sandwiched around that command several items that i already told you it's sort of a summary of what he's already looked at in this book to this point and in this summary of some things he just reminds us of. How can I have that assurance? If I reach up to him, if I say, Lord, I'm going to put it on your hands. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to obey you. I'm not going to question you. I'm going to accept whatever. I'm going to just, I just want to put everything in my attention to you, especially in those matters of the heart. And it's at that moment when you have those matters of the heart. In that moment. And this is where we mess up. This is where I mess up. In that moment, that's when we need to reach up and say, Lord, you're there. Lord, you're these things we're going to look at. Sometimes we do it when things are going well. It's pretty easy to reach up. Sunday morning, we're all here looking good, all happy. We've sang some great songs, and we've worshiped our God. But then comes Monday and Wednesday and Thursday and so forth. It's at that moment we need to reach up. Now, some things we need to think of in terms of reaching up. Back to verse 19. Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That is the price that had to be paid for sin. 
That price has been paid. It has been paid in full. As we've studied already in this book, it never needs to be paid again. And this is for you. This is for you. We talked about it last week because God really loves you. The price is paid. And if I just take a moment to say this. This passage is all about believers. It's about our faith, the boldness of, that, that belief gives us, the things we need to respond, reach up when our, we have matters of the heart. But if you're not one of his children, I, 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 I shudder to say this, but it's true. You, you do not have access to these kind of blessings. You do not have access to these kind of attention, the kind of attention God gives. You know, I don't have the promises applied to you. And as sorry as that sounds to say, the great news is it can be yours right this very moment. If you'll stop trusting in anything and everything else and realize, humble yourself and say, Lord, I, I, I need a Savior. I'm a sinner. sinner. Sin has separated me from you. And I want to believe, and I do believe, and I right now claim this to be true for me from now and to all eternity, that Jesus died and through his bloodshed, I'm one of your children. I put my faith in that. Paul wrote it this way, for by grace, that's what God did for us, for by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any of us should boast about it. So you need to come to that point of belief. And we could help you with that, or we could counsel you that, or we could answer your questions in the scriptures, have a conversation with you. Just let that be known to, to one of us as a pastor, or maybe you come with a Christian friend or family member could have that same conversation with you. But you need him. Secondly, it says, by a new and living way. In the Old Testament, the way to God's presence had to be someone had to represent you. It was the high priest, and he only got to go into the Holy of Holies on one day of the year, the Day of Atonement. And he goes in and offers, sprinkles blood on the, on the mercy seat, the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God was. We've looked at all that previously. But now he says, we can go into this place. By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. Remember, the one thing that separated the holy place from the holy of holies was a curtain, a veil. And on the moment, at the moment Christ died, that veil was ripped in two by unseen hands. To tell us that the way to God was now open. But notice how he couches it. Through the veil, that is his flesh. So the writer of Hebrews pictures it this way. Jesus was fully God, yes, fully man, but his glory, his, his majesty was veiled by this body that he had. And it says when he was pierced, and you know he was pierced on the cross, his body was torn open. And because of that, he says, that is the veil that was opened to us. Not a veil that was torn by unseen hands, but a veil that was broken as he paid sin's price for us. And what does that say for us? You can waltz into God's presence any moment you want. At that moment when your heart is breaking, reach up. That moment when you're having doubts whether this is be true, you reach up. When you have moments when you just feel like this is just not worth it, reach up. When it feels like you don't have any hope, reach up. And the discipline of doing this, at least in our minds, at that moment is what connects us back to these truths. Reach up. Reach up in the matters of the heart. Not only that, he goes on, he says this, having a high priest over the house of God, that goes with verse 20, verse 21, let us draw near with a true heart, a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Remember we saw this back in, uh, 
in the previous ver chapter, earlier in this chapter, verse 17, their sins and their lawless deeds, God says, I will remember no more. The problem is we tend to rehearse them and think of them and feel shame over them, feel guilt over them. And he says, our conscience should be clear. It is clear before him. If we have sinned, even as a believer, if we just confess that and we just recognize that, he forgives. He cleanses. Reach out. Not with hearts that, that are retiring from God because of our shame, but hearts that reach up in praise to thank him that he is a God who saves and forgives. And then he mentions this, and our bodies washed with pure water. Now there's a question here. Is that a symbolic statement or is that a literal statement? And various scholars do it different ways. I think it's very literal. I think he's referring to water baptism there. Not that the actual act of water baptism uh, does anything to wash us clean, but he says wash, it's a picture of that which has happened through, through the work of Christ. And I think he's probably saying, you went through the waters of baptism after you became a believer in Christ. Because that is the line that marks for anybody who's looking to see that I now, from this point on, this is the line, this is the moment, this is the day I declare to anyone and everyone that I'm now a follower of Jesus Christ. And I think he drops that into their thinking because they were tempted to say, who do you identify with? Well, I'm Jewish, I'm this, I'm whatever. He says, no, I want you to just to be bold in your belief and your fidelity to Jesus Christ, the one and only Savior, the Lord of glory. And you remember that day that you were baptized publicly to profess your faith in Christ? And let me just say this to you. Not that I'm trying to, uh, uh, just trying to teach you what the Word says, but I'm not trying to coerce you, but if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've never made that public through baptism, we can do that. We can fix that. We can arrange that. Because that's the biblical picture. Nothing magical about it. You know, you just go in the water and you come out wet. That's, that's all that physically happens. But it's a picture that shows. Just like communion is a picture. Just like the Old Testament was a picture. It's a picture of your faith in Christ. So in matters of the heart, reach out. You still got two hands there? All right? Do that. Do it. I'm not looking for you to clap. I just want your hands together. All right? You, you keep them there. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on in matters of choice. When it comes time to make a decision, here's what you got to do. Hold on. Maybe you can imagine you're holding on to a rope and your feet are giving way beyond, beneath you. Hold on. Hold on. Don't let go. Don't lose your grip. Don't lose your sight. Don't, don't let this grow stale. Don't let this grow weak. Don't let this grow faint. Don't let this grow out of our view. Hold on. Look what he says now. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Can you imagine how many choices we make in a day? You ever stop to think about this? And some days, you, I, honestly, there's some days I'm just like, I don't want to make any more decisions. I'm tired of making choices. I just, just let my brain rest. And we do it to ourselves, right? We have so many choices, so many activities. What am I going to do with this time? What am I going to do here? What do I need done? What's on my to-do list? You know, you go to, uh, uh, I, Julie and I are not coffee drinkers, but sometimes when people come to our house to visit with us, we make sure there's coffee in the house so they can fuel their addiction. Okay, that's what we're the enablers in that. I'm, I'm joking. All the coffee drinkers just glared at me for a moment. But I've noticed this. And for a non-coffee drinker, you go to the grocery store where the coffee is. 
what is all this stuff? All the brands and the different ways of fixing it and the different flavors. And then, and then, we say, and then here's the whole wall of all the flavored creamers you can put in it and all the stuff you can put in it. It's just like, ah. Now, you coffee drinkers have that all figured out. But we have so many choices in every world, every, in every, everywhere in our world. And when it comes to our walk with Christ, we face choices all the time. Am I going to waver? Is everything going to get nervous and shaky? And am I going to say, yes, I am, or yes, I know? Am I going to be like we used to do with kids when you'd you know, pull out a daisy and start pulling the petals off? She loves me. She loves me not. You know, we just say to the Lord, you love me. She loves me not. And we're just wondering if he does. Or are we going to have, as he says here, holding fast the confession of our hope? If you're one of his children, you've already said it. You've already confessed it. You've already identified with him. You've already staked your all in him. You going to hold on to that confession, or are you going to do something else wavering? Two things he tucks into this verse to remind us to hold on. And at that moment, we're making a decision whether I'm going to say yes or no, whether I'm going to accept that opportunity or not, whether I'm going to obey or not. Am I going to give in to my feelings, or am I going to walk in faith? Am I going to trust in him, or am I going to put it all on me? In those moments when there's a choice to be made, notice the word hope appears in verse 23. The confession of our hope. In our world, hope is a weak word. Well, hope it doesn't rain this afternoon because I got somewhere I want to go. I, I, hope, I hope I can find what I'm looking for. I hope I can take a vacation sometime next year. I hope whatever it is, it's just sort of like it'd be okay if it happens. But in the Bible, hope has a much more solid texture to it. It's, it. it's not like wet mortar. It's like solid concrete. Our hope, you can count on what God says. You can trust in what he will do. There's hope there. He says, hold on to this confession of hope. You, you expressed hope that you believe that Jesus is going to get you to heaven when you die and leave this planet. Let's make sure we hold on to our confession of hope that he can get us through the next obstacle that we face, the next challenge that we encounter, the next scary thing that's on the horizon. Notice not only that, it mentions something else in this verse. With the confession of our hope without wavering, hold on to that. For he who promised, would you say, read that loud with me, the last two words of verse 23. He who promised is faithful. Utterly faithful completely faithful, reliably faithful, unchangeably faithful, always and ever faithful, never any loopholes, never any what-ifs, never, never any I wish I could-haves. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is promised. He is faithful. You and I make promises all the time, and we intend to keep them, and sometimes we do, and sometimes we just can't. I really wanted to be there, but I'm sick. I can't be there. I really wanted to help you, but I, I, circumstances got in the way. God has none of, that is, none of those issues. He can help you where you are just the same as he can help someone on the other part of the globe that's worshiping our Savior this day. He is faithful. What has he promised you? By the way, the whole book of Hebrews has a bunch of them. The whole Bible has a whole slew of them. You just find some promises that fit for you and cling to them. And there's one that's coming up over in chapter 12. A little spoiler here, but that's okay. 
chapter 12, he quotes Jesus. The writer of Hebrews quotes Jesus, and it's not a quote you find in the Gospels. So I don't know how the writer of Hebrews got it, but it's a quote of Jesus, and, and it's quoted, and it's in Scripture, so Jesus said it. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never going to be abandoned. Never going to be left alone. Never going to be outside of his scope of help. He is there. He is there. In those moments of choice, remember his past work, that's the hope, that's the faithfulness. Remember his current work, see it happening, and trust in his future work that he's promised. In issues of choice, hold on. Still got two hands? Do this with them. All right, open hands forward. <laughs> and I'm going to read the next one, all right? When it comes to matters of action, in matters of action, reach out in matters of action. Someone needs you to reach out to them. Someone's in need of you to be there for them. Someone's in need of you to recognize them. Someone needs you to be there with them. Look what he says. Verse 24. And let us consider one another. That's probably where this breaks down most often. We just don't think about each other. We just don't consider. We don't think. We don't sympathize. We don't empathize. And, and really considering means I imagine myself in their place. If I were where they are, how would I feel? What would I want? What would I want someone to do for me? That's that open-handed, open heart. I want to, what can I do for you? Consider. Consider one another to stir up love and good works. When you're with them, there's a purpose for your being with other believers. And sometimes we do stir each other up. Sometimes it's not always for love and good works. But he says, stir up love and good works. How do you do it? You do it by your example. First of all, you model this. You're doing good works. You're serving. You're, you're just a person that is an example before them. And then through what we can recall and what we can share about God's truth and what we can input into their ears and their minds. Stir up love and good works. Encourage that. We'll come back to that word in just a moment. But God needs you to be there for others with open hands, saying, I want to reach out in matters where I need to do something. I need to be active. I need to take some action. Stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling yourselves together, ourselves together as the manner of some is. Preachers love this verse, by the way. You know, because we want you to come to church. And here, here's, here's, the, here's the verse that says, just come to church. Don't, don't forsake assembling together. And yes, it means that. All proper. But there's a deeper meaning to it just showing up. And I'm glad you've shown up this morning. It's nice to see this room uh, full and your enthusiastic faces as we study God's Word together. But it's not just to show up because I check it off the list. We show up to be there for others. You see, the issue is not so much, well, you know what? I don't really need to be there. question is, who needs me to be there for them? We come together. And this could be in any venue, any setting, any activity of the church. It could be even a gathering that we don't have on our list of gatherings. But, you know, gathering together for the purpose of being there to encourage one another in the Lord. It could be your life group. It could be now. And notice he says, it's the manner of some, as is the manner of some. Now, they had some reasons to kind of avoid assembling together. 
because persecution was on the horizon. It was tough. It was a high bar. You were, you were, you were, you were going to get yourself marked out if you're gathering together with those people of the way, the people who were Christians, followers of Christ. I don't think any of us feel particularly accosted to walk into a church this morning, did you? Maybe there might be a few raindrops falling on your head or maybe someone sitting in your seat when you came here, but it's not really that big a deal, right? You, you, it's not a big deal for us. So we really are without excuse. And I just want to encourage you to just consider. This is our, you know, we have our discipleship kind of pattern we, we share with you, and we're going to kind of probably revisit that again here recently just to, because we want to be, to be reminded. What are the activities that we need to be involved in as a growing believer in Christ? Number one, go to church. Be together. Let's learn together. Let's grow together. I just love, the, I love that Cornerstone song. Man, we could sing that. 10 times today and I wouldn't get tired of it. You know, the, the only rock I know, this cornerstone, which is Jesus. There's something, I, I, could, I sing that in the car. And thinking about motions of your hands, I got a whole set of hand motions I could do with it. When I, when, you know, one hand's on the wheel, but you know. But there's something about singing it with us. You know, the sun comes up, the sun goes down, this old world spinning around. So we can sing anywhere, but there's something about us we encourage each other with our voices. We sing together. We love together. We come together. It, it puts value on us being together. But exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. What's the exhortation? The exhortation the application is just be together. Just be together. And I want to just encourage you to take a step forward in that. Where could I be a little more engaged? What's one simple step? Pastor Tim's going to be preaching about the Feast of Tabernacles tonight. I can't wait. We're going to gather for a meal and prayer and Bible study on Wednesday night. Why don't you come? All those are good things. It won't cost you anything except your time and your involvement to other people. And I know we, people are watching this online as, as in real time as I'm speaking. I'm glad we have that. Uh, I would encourage you, if you can't be here Sunday, you're sick, you got the flu, please stay home. Keep your germs to yourself. But I encourage you, I want to make a commitment. I'm still going to worship online. That, we, use that, we, we view that as a bridge. When you can't be here, it keeps you connected. It's a bridge. It's not a residence. It's a place to get you from one to the next. It's not a place you need to live. And you say, well, I, I, I can get all I need from that little screen. Yeah, but is everybody going to get all they need from you because you're on the other side of that screen when you could be here? So you just pray about it, consider it, because we need to reach out. That's how we do it. And then we exhort each other by our activities and sometimes by our words. And notice this last phrase of 25, and so much more as you see the day approaching. What's the day? The day of Christ's return. You say, Jess, that was written a couple, couple millennia ago. And they saw the day approaching? Yes, because every day you're approaching that day. And I think they live with the expectation it could have been in their lifetime. We live with that expectation, too. I've had about three people in the last two weeks. Do you think we're in the end times, Pastor? You, you know, what's happening in Israel and all these things? Do you think we're in the end times? My answer is this. I don't know. Because it's not for me to say the, I find it interesting. I find it something worth watching. But is that a sign? Might be, might not. I'm not I'm, it's not my person to say because Jesus said it this way no man knows the day or the time that's reserved to God himself even Satan doesn't know the day or time
But I do know this, today is one day closer than yesterday. And tomorrow will one be, close, be one day closer than today. And you understand there is a future out there. We're going to stand before the Lord. We're looking for this great and glorious hope. The glorious appearing. The blessed hope it's called. Seeing that coming, why shouldn't I just give myself to him? In matters of the heart, reach up. Draw near with a pure heart full of faith. In matters of choice, hold on. Hold on, not wavering. Hope and faith. In matters of action, reach out. Someone needs you. Someone's there for, needing you to be there for them and encouraging them, considering them, stirring up good works, assembling together, exhorting one another. There's lots more coming of how we need to take these truths and put them into life. But here's what I want to just leave with a simple statement. And may this just ring in your hearts. Take some bold steps because you believe. Maybe that's that reach up. In those moments of critical moments of heart, make sure you reach up. That's your first resort, not your last. In those moments when it's kind of shaky, hold on. Hope, faith. As a regular routine, reach out. Someone needs your encouragement. And, and that could be when we gather together. Someone you haven't seen for a while, call them on the phone. Send them a text. Check on them. Maybe there's something going on in their life that they need you. And maybe you're the human voice they need to hear to encourage them because they're going through a tough time. Friends, we need to have a boldness of belief. Come boldly into the holy place. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you will not miss a single episode. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.